This is episode 4F of Free as in Freedom. Hi, I'm Karen Sandler. And I'm Bradley Kuhn. This is Free as in Freedom. And so we're, we're going to talk about audio today and video, although the video is not that interesting. You could just listen to the audio in this yep. case. And we're not going to include it in the thing. So these, this, these debates we've been having about whether to include stuff, we still haven't made a decision for FOSDEM. I think I know what I want to do, which I'll talk about at the end of the show. Uh, but in this case, we're not gonna, it's not our audio. It's not audio that we were directly involved with. Mm -hmm. having been created because it's from a different conference. So we're not going to include it. So we'll put a link in the show notes to where you can get this video that we're going to talk about. And if you want to listen to it first, uh, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to, we're going to tell you ahead of time, which indexes indices we're going to talk the most about. And you can go, if you want to watch part of it and just watch the little discussions around then you can do that. And so to let them know what this video is, Karen, <laughs> you just can't I just such wanted, fanfare. I just wanted you to say what the video was, not okay, make a bunch a, of noise that sorry. everybody's now annoyed with. It's the, it's, are you annoyed? It's the, um, it's the, uh, the, uh, the Linus Torvalds Q&A from DebConf. Remember, we don't have a compressor because we don't have a free software one. And also, they're very expensive, even if it was free software. Um, and so there's when there's spikes in audio, like when you bang uh, on the table, like they'll hear it in their headphones. Anyway, so, I apologize, and, everyone. And, and Dan can't necessarily get that out. I'm we sorry, can't, we Dan. Can't, we can't. See, I've just mucked everything up. No. It's OK, though. So, so yeah, Linus did this interview at DebConf because uh, he, the, the way, it, it, by the way, if you want to know how to get Linus at your conference, this has been well known in the free software world for a long time. But um, uh, if, if, you, if you do it in Portland, uh, where he lives now, yeah, has lived for many years, your odds of getting him there. But if he says he'll come, he might not anyway. True. That's true. So if he says yes, have a backup plan. That's true as well. But yeah, uh, yeah. and he and he doesn't go to Oscon specifically, even though Oscon's in Portland every year for, right. for for reasons. Although I bet you Oscon's never even invited him because it's Oscon. I'm sure Oscon has invited him. Really? Mm -hmm. I'd be surprised because I'd be surprised if they didn't. Uh, a long time ago. I don't think they have recently. I, I bet they have somewhat Maybe recently. Either. Oh, okay. Pretty yeah, because it's good. I mean, it's, it's it, his name is a draw. Yeah. So if you want to go watch, so so we'll we're gonna we're we're not, we're not gonna switch segments. I don't think we don't. I don't think we have to unless Karen wants to. No. Okay. So uh, right now I'll tell you what to do. So go to the link on the website for the DebConf video. The link to the direct WebM file will be on our show notes. If you want to go to that um, and watch it now, uh, we're going to talk mostly about uh, uh, Linus's response to Ryan Laurie's question at 15 minutes in, almost 15 exactly, and his response to Clint Adams' question, which starts around 47 minutes and 30 seconds in. So if you don't, he actually, there's a lot of interesting technical discussion in the in the rest of it, mm -hmm. uh, which I think is worth, the, the, some of it's interesting. Uh, it's not really relevant to our show because we're not primarily a technical show. And so we're just going to talk yeah. mostly about those two segments. So go off and listen to that now. Yeah, I was going to say I was surprised. I, I was only um, looking for the one particular question, Clint's question, uh, when I when I watched it. But I found that other bits and pieces were interesting enough that I, I lingered on it. Okay, so yeah. go off and watch that. And we'll pause for just a second. And then you can come back and we're going to talk about mainly those two segments. And now we can have the segment end. Oh, you do want the segment to end. Oh. I okay. thought you meant before. Okay, the segment's going to end. Because uh, there's this great music coming in right now. Okay, and then when we come back to the next segment, we're going to talk about those places in that video. Okay.
So I thought that if we're going to focus specifically on those two questions that Bradley gave the time and indices for before, the first is uh, is a question by Ryan Lorty. And I thought it was a, a really interesting question. And I thought that Linus's answer was um, provided a lot of insight. So for those who didn't go back to the audio, I'll summarize real quickly. The, the Ryan asked about, uh, about Linus's relatively famous uh flames uh, on LKML uh, against people who propose patches or technical solutions that he really dislikes. Um, they have been often vulgar. Uh, Ryan mentioned one specifically uh, that, that he sa said that that's, uh, apparently Lena said at some point on the mailing list that someone should go back in time and and, ha and be aborted. Or should have suffocated from yeah. or or not well, suffocated. Should well, have the, the, there's two parts of the two parts right. of the comment. The first was one I quoted, and the second was that they that that they that basically insulting their intelligence, saying that they how, how could they have survived finding food and water if they're not if they're so unsmart. But uh, he said it in a much more colorful way and in an extremely insensitive way, um, for because there are a lot of people who have problems or no you know I, it, it's it's like unnecessary it's it just, just was unnecessary i mean okay so we're going to talk about all of this right because we're now summarizing what what yeah. the question was and right. we should and probably so, summarize the answer before we and and linus's answer i i, I actually that's what i want to talk about is i think that the, the I, I i actually it's interesting because i have a sort of um kindred relationship with his answer in the sense that i would imagine myself in my early 20s giving that exact answer to similar things because his answer is basically uh i don't care if it upsets people i'm an abrasive person people should learn to deal with me yada 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 and i would have been much less bothered by it when i was in my 20s yeah and, and i think i think that that well and the reason i would have given that answer because I, I think that that one of one of the the distinctions that that linus basically seems incapable of making and 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 or is refusing to make maybe he can make it and just doesn't care um is this idea that he says where he says well you have to earn my respect and if you don't have my respect you're going to get that kind of answer um my view is is that is that he's conflating sort of human decency questions with technical incompetence, right? And I have no problem criticizing people's technical incompetence, which I often do, because I'm actually a very abrasive person. I, I was almost offended at his use of the word abrasive because I consider myself a relatively abrasive person, but I would never say those kinds of things, at least these days. Um, maybe I did when I was younger. Um, but I, I think that the, the, you can be abrasive by saying, I think this person's wrong. I think the position they're taking is bad for free software. I think they're hurting software freedom. I think their goal is to hurt software freedom. I think their goal is to get more money for themselves. I say those kinds of things all the time. I speculate about their goals and I say that I think that's what they're up to. I think they're bad people in what they're trying to do, right? I think that they have, they have bad motives. Um, I don't have any problem with those kinds of criticism. Uh, and if, as another example of thing Linus said, where, where he thought that there was a, some discussion about a technology about UAFI that Red Hat was, was promulgating. And he basically argued that, and we, we, we have, Karen and I have some good knowledge about this because we did some work on this issue. But he basically said, Linus's point was Red Hat, um, is just, is just basically kowtowing to Microsoft. And I have no problem with that type of statement. What Linus actually said is Red Hat is performing a sex act, sex act on Microsoft. Right. And used it much more, as you would say, colorful than that. Um, and so th th the point is, is that there, that, that that's an offensive way to say that. It's offensive in my view. 
I don't wouldn't have any problem if he said, I'm not going to accept this technology because Red Hat's kowtowing to Microsoft's interests, right? Mm -hmm. Right. You can be straightforward about what you say without using, you know, so there are many, I guess, so there are many problems with using terms like that. I think that there are, and there are a lot of reasons why it's not the best choice. Um, and I, I would say for me, the, the most important reason for that is that it discourages um, people from different backgrounds from participating with you in the dialogue. Mm -hmm. And which means that you then exclude those people from participating with you. And that might be for a whole host of reasons. There could be cultural reasons why um, that would be um, an unpleasant mm -hmm. way to interact with people. You might not want to have to deal with language like that because it might, um, you know, there, there could be a whole host of reasons why that would be unacceptable and why you would not want to participate with it. And basically, it sends the message of if you're not like me, I have no interest in having a conversation with you. Mm -hmm. uh, well, and, and, and more than that, I, I think uh, the, the, not only is it exclusive, I agree with everything you said, but I also want to want to add another piece to it, which is that that it. it um, it, it diminishes the, the issue in some sense that you're trying to discuss, uh, and, 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 do, and fails to actually address it at the level. I, I think it's much more powerful to say that Red Hat is kowtowing. I don't actually agree with the position, but his position was Red Hat's kowtowing to Microsoft's interests. And so it's much more powerful to say it that way than it is to say it was some sort of so-called colorful metaphor, uh, because it actually is like, wow, Linus Torvalds thinks Red Hat's, uh, basically just just a proxy for Microsoft and 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 having that as being the message is much stronger than 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 the colorful metaphor as it were um, well, I think those metaphors are also distracting and yeah, that's sometimes what, that's they that's and they and sometimes they also are are triggers like for people who have had disturbing experiences in the past and it's sort of like why why would you even do that why go there it's ju it just serves to make people uncomfortable or not just, but it, it, it makes people uncomfortable and it forms it, it in, in effect, it winds up being, um, an exclusionary tactic. And I, whether it's, it's, it's inadvertent or not. And I think that his comment about whether or not, you know, whether or not he respect needs to be earned is the perfect example of how he so completely misses the mark on this. Mm -hmm. He says that, um, that people don't by default have his respect that they have to earn it. And I can understand if you need to earn someone's respect as far as your, you know, your technical knowledge or your skill set, but your respect as a person is something, you know, as you, is a, is a, is a base, is it your respect for another human being is something that people should automatically have. Right. I mean, <laughs> and it's not, and, and context matters, right? It's not murderers and scoundrels he's dealing with. It's not like he went into prison, you know, and, and into but a federal penitentiary. Even if and, he did, I don't know. I, how I mean, would that be appropriate? Well, okay. So, so I would think that if you're dealing with people who are, are, are truly bad, like true evil, right? I mean, people who are murderers and rapists, this right? This is another what if, right? right. Like, it's a, it's why a, it's would a we... Okay. I'm I'm doing hypothetical. You I are you're doing a hypothetical. My, now it's my job to point yeah, this my, out every I, time I, you I, talk about but it. But my point <laughs> is, is that is that people. That's what people say when they go to prison. You have to like you know, have some sort of horrible fight interaction with somebody to earn the respect of the other inmates, right? Well, you're trying to earn the respect of people who are who are horrible people, right? There's nobody on LKML who was a well. There was one who became a murderer, but generally speaking, because right. <laughs> I forgot about I'm, that. I'm referring only to um, to uh, to Hans, uh, Hans Reiser. Reiser, yeah. But but Hans Reiser aside, there's no murderers 
on LKML. I'm going to bet. <laughs> I'll take a bet that, that, that the odds just say, uh, actually, they're independent events, so there could be another one. But I, but, um, I don't think there's any murderers on LKML. I mean, maybe there's lurkers, but I don't think any active participant on LKML is a murderer. Um, how many? And Hans was no longer an active participant when he became a murderer. How many would be out. statistically likely? Um, zero, I think. <laughs> Near zero, right? Near I mean, zero. Hans was an statistical anomaly as it was, right? Because somebody who's going to devote that much time to a technical thing is unlikely to become a murderer. Let's put it that way. Um, I think. I don't know. I don't have any data. Uh, to that's my that. guess. I have no data to support that, but that's my anecdotal guess. Anyway, my point is, is Linus is not dealing with with horrible people. He's dealing with generally good people who might be technically incompetent or not good yet at doing something. And the thing is, is that that sometimes as a as a mentor, it's your job to cut those people down, right? I mean, it's not uncommon for no. I'm I'm going to give Linus a little bit of room here, right? So it's it's not uncommon for an advisor to say the first draft of your thesis, it's no good. It's it, you're, you're way off the mark. You've got to go back. You need to spend six more months and rewrite this because it's horrible. I feel like it's no problem to deliver that message. I think my job as a mentor is to be able to deliver that message in a way that's constructive and in a way that brings constructive dialogue to the process and gives that person something to work with so they know they can come out at the other end with a revised thesis, right? So when I'm a mentor, I try very hard to make sure that my conversations with um, the people that I'm being a mentor to are extremely respectful and very thoughtful. And I think that it's it's the drawing that comparison to a mentor discussion just yeah. I, I can't understand that at all uh, well I, I think I think you have a, the, the, I mean there are multiple schools of thought I actually think your school of thought probably works better but I don't think the school of thought of giving people really really harsh criticism on bad work is necessarily wrong like like I don't think it's like morally wrong to give people that kind of criticism right if, if somebody says your patch really just is not any good for this project at all I'm sorry it there's no way we're going to take this because you need to go back and right. rework. This I don't entirely. like the style, but the style is the style is is debatable, right? That right. style is debatable, right. and if Linus wants to run his project, the, or, or he's not, he doesn't really run the Linux project, but if he wants to to in, interact with the project in that way, I, I wouldn't necessarily begrudge him that. I think it's a bad choice, but it's not it's not a it's not wrong in that in a sense that 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 that, that what he what the other stuff he's done is wrong because when you turn that into making a value judgment about their general intelligence, right? There is no way looking at somebody's code, you can tell whether or not they're good at um, getting gainful employment and being able to live in the world and, and cook food and all this other thing he's saying this guy can't do, right? Um, because of his bad patch. I, 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 there's no way you have any information towards that. And so it's just abusive yeah. to and say those things. And if you add an extra layer on it where you talk about some societies where having that kind of an insult is shameful, for example, then, you know, then that becomes an additional obstacle for people from those cultures. And there are, there are a lot of people who are interested in contributing to the Linux kernel who are part of cultures where if you're insulted publicly, that's very, very bad for your career. And and the funny thing is the effect he wants is probably more achievable with the mechanism I'm talking about, which is just just really publicly criticizing the work. I, I'm reminded of Jeremy Allison telling me the patch he sent. He still talks about this to this day to anybody who will listen to the story. So I have no problem telling on the on the podcast. Jeremy sent a patch to GCC once uh, to RMS years and years ago in the early 90s. And, and, and RMS wrote back one sentence. RMS runs projects kind of like uh, Linus does and writes back, but but is not abusive, I don't think, in that way, because RMS writes back and just says, this is no good for the project. <laughs> right? Just one <laughs> sentence, right? <laughs> 
I've I've gotten some messages from RMS right, like that. They're really abusive. blunt. It's really blunt. They and it's are painful. very off-putting, and I would say that there are some problems that RMS have that are analogous to these problems. I mean, I yeah, but the, like what Linus, what Lena, what we're talking about here with Linus is like so beyond the pale. And I agree with you that some that a direct approach that is not bringing in these distract this distracting color is much better, right. like much 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 better. But at the same time, I think that sometimes this kind of like blunt, blunt outward criticism also has the unintended oh, sure, impact but, of excluding people who we would otherwise want to the, be included. The reason I'm drawing so much attention to the fact that there's nothing wrong with blunt outward criticism is precisely because Linus is conflating the two, right? Linus is Linus is not Linus is claiming to defend what I'm defending: blunt criticism that's harsh with abusive language and saying that they're the same thing. And that's what the whole respect thing is about. Okay, I agree with you that he is conflating those two points. But I think that the I think that there's a problem with both. Yeah, I, I do, but the problem with the abusive language is so is so many orders of magnitude worse. The, I mean, the other one is a, is, a, is a style problem that's unfortunate. This one, it's more than that. It's more than a style problem that's unfortunate, I guess. And and what I thought really brought it down was that respect point. Was that respect point because it conflates what it means to be a human being, like what yeah. it means to be like a valuable person to live and breathe and mm -hmm. interact with the world and it's it's so crazy to me and i when i heard that i was like oh you were so 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 missed the mark and i guess that if we want to be really great as a overall free and open source software community or free and open source software communities if we want to be great we have to be including diverse people from different cultures mm -hmm. And neither approach will get us there. In, in, indeed, I was thinking when you were saying about the shamefulness. I mean, certainly, certainly, um, th th there are cultures on the planet where um, the kind of direct criticism I'm talking about mm -hmm. is is considered shameful as well, right? Shameful, to, to, possibly career-ending, right? Career-ending, yeah, yeah. So why would you ever choose to participate in a community that exposes you to that? Yeah, risk? it's true. It's a good point. It's a good point. I, I, I mean, I think that I'm not a cultural altivist, so I don't. I think that the idea that having some work that you did being complete junk, and I've done work that's complete junk sometimes in my life, sure. Everybody has, and having that sold to you publicly—that's not. The, the, if your culture says that's career-ending, right? There's there there is a problem in but your culture. But some of the work that Linus has criticized has not been like so terrible. Some of the times that he's made these 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 comments, it's because it wasn't quite ready yet, or because it needed yeah. some work in some direction. But that doesn't mean it wasn't excellent work. Well, and, and this is actually he, something. This is a meta for issue. For example, unholy mess is what he said for yeah. uh, for. You know, for GNOME three, it totally like it. To it 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 had such a negative impact for GNOME. He's still using GNOME. It's his. But th this actually relates to the other point I, I wanted to make. And in fact, um, to, for the listeners, Karen and I actually had a little bit of a debate about whether to cover this. And what yeah. one of the reasons I didn't want to cover it, uh, which I hadn't told Karen yet, I waited till the podcast so we can get her her natural reaction. <laughs> is is that I think we I, I just I see it from the way this thing was covered in the press this uh, this Linus interview from the the excitement and sort of we said in the first segment about the excitement of getting Linus to speak we, we give way way too much credit in the free software community to people who started projects I noticed it in particular with Linus everybody giving him credit for Git when yes he did the initial version of Git but at least Linus finally said after 20 minutes of talking about how awesome it was that he invented Git basically he says well well uh, um, uh, actually I'm you're not uh, Junio uh, human, uh, you're not actually supposed to call him Junio because it's not a Latin name it's uh, uh, it's a uh, I think uh, it's 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 a Japanese name I think 
And so he goes by June, which is apparently the oh. nickname you're supposed to say. Because like you say Junio, you're saying it completely wrong, apparently. Hmm. Um, uh, Jeremy told me this. Um, so uh, June has done most of the key work in Get. I mean, he deserves him and Sean Pierce and a few other, uh, um, uh, Jeff King. I mean, those, the, the key Git committee, um, those are the folks who've done the work to really make Get a success. And Linus was an important part, but he just started the project in some sense and, and the Git folks have taken it over. Uh, and so, and so, but the people in the audience giving him all this credit for this, giving him all the credit for Linux, I mean, he deserves more credit for Linux certainly than Git because he spent a lot more time as the only person working on Linux for a really long time. But I think it's, it's, it's we're over crediting people at the top uh, in the free software community. And the, this cult of personality around Linus, and I'll admit the cult of personality around RMS as well, both of those things are, are mistakes. Uh, because th this movement is not about a few key people. The whole point of this movement is that the fact that everyone makes a difference. Okay, so you wanted my natural reaction. So I haven't had a chance to think about this. But I do, I, I, I think that to some extent we need, we need people who are somewhat symbolic figures. I mean, I think this, I don't know. I mean, culture, culture likes a symbolic figure, a sure. Culture but, likes a symbolic figure. But yeah. we're making a big mistake in in, in, in prop, prop, propagating that 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 worldview. And I think that that people's. Uh, I don't disagree. I just think it's it's a it's a natural. And it's unsolvable. Yeah, I, uh, certainly. But the point I want to draw attention to it because I think that one of the problems that this causes is 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 Linus has too much credibility. Okay, but I I in part criticize the tech press for this because of in part of what they choose to cover and what they don't. Let's talk about that in the next show. Okay. The tech press you, part. Okay. Because we were going to do a whole show on the tech press question. Okay. So yeah, in the next show, we'll okay. talk about this tech press issue and how it relates to all this stuff. So is that okay if I, if I delay you on that? Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. we, we had talked about doing a whole show okay. on the tech press thing. And we should probably move on to the other. So do you, is there anything else you want to ask before we move on? Is there anything else you wanted to add about this, about the abusive language thing and so forth? No, I just, I, I really just thought it was, I was glad that Ryan asked him this directly and I was glad that um, that the response was so, um, you know, clear. Yeah. Well, and, and I, as a person who used to say and do things of that nature, uh, including an email, um, I actually found an email recently where, um, when I was an undergrad, uh, there was something in the internal computer science department mailing list and I called someone else a fascist, um, on the mailing, on the inter internal mailing list and another student, um, and uh, and ba and a professor wrote to me and and asked me to apologize, which I never did to him. Saying and, and he said something very interesting. He says he's conservative. He's not a fascist, right? It's the same sort of thing, right? I I could have I I could have written the message and should have written the message of um, the person. I won't say his name because for because there's so much few people in my undergrad that if I say his first name, I've said who he is. Um, person, I I think your views on this are way too conservative for this department, and it's a mistake for us to follow them, right? I could have said that. Instead, I write back, person, you're a fa you're such a fascist, right? Mm. Which is it's the same sort of thing. It's this kind of um, hyperbole, hyperbole that, that, that Lena says he's using, but that, you know, the hiding behind, oh, I used hyperbole to make my point. It doesn't work well in email, first of all. And second of all, it can easily be misunderstood and, and easily be harmful to the other person in, in a way that just saying, your view is so conservative, which, which would have got my point across fine instead of yeah. calling the guy a fascist. Yeah. I mean, I think to do you go full circle since we went back to your, yourself in your 20s, to go back to myself yeah. in my 20s, what has changed my view about it and making me feel so objectionable to it or, or so, uh, make me object so much much to it is that I'm so tired of seeing talented people driven away 
particularly women, because those are the stories I hear because mm. of how I'm involved. But I'm so tired of seeing us drive away talented person after talented person because they're not exactly in the mold of this kind of personality. And it's, it's so frustrating. It's so bad for software freedom. It's so bad for us in general. That's all. Um, yeah, and so the only last point I have to make on it is that the, the, I thought it was interesting. Lena's actually talked about he's from a dysfunctional family. He literally used that mm. phrase, and um, you know, so am I. And so my, my my immediate reaction was so go to therapy. You know, I mean, the, the <laughs> that's sort of the answer, isn't it? Uh, that's what you ought to be doing to deal with this problem. Uh, right, don't I, inflict I, your problems on us. <laughs> I think it would be I think it would be very interesting, and I would encourage Lena's to take some of these emails that people have criticized him for and walk into a therapist's office with that and say, this is what I do on my professional career let's talk, let's spend a couple of sessions talking about it. I'd be I think that might be illuminating for him hmm. and I would recommend it so I've actually taken emails into therapists before so I think it's a good thing <laughs> um, so anyway um, the the but the, the more policy centered issue that came up was when Clint um, whom we know uh, yeah. asked the question about uh, Linus's views on GPLv3 um, and and it, it, it had a couple of things. So do you want to talk about first, or do, do yeah, you, you can go for okay. it. Well, so so I, I mean, the, one of the things that I thought was really interesting is he Linus has that usual. I only care about about one thing, which actually isn't even what GPLv2 says, right? So he says he wants the changes yeah, back. Yeah, uh, he totally missed. He misstated it. Well, he's I, I so thought con- it was, he's confused on a very so, fundamental so, level. It's so interesting to me that people believe GPLv2 says you must give me your changes back, which it actually doesn't even say. It says that the downstream user has to get the changes, but there's nothing that guarantees, and, and actually licenses that do, do guarantee this have been rejected as non-free and non-open source, say you have to give a particular party your mm-hmm. changes. Mm-hmm. It's the person you pass it along to. The center of copyleft is is paying it forward, uh, as the phrase goes. It's the next person who gets it has to get all the same stuff you got, uh, as far as legal rights go. So th- there's actually no guarantee. And in fact, I know of lots of Linux code out there that's never gotten upstreamed for various reasons, including the reason of of interest here that it never got distributed to anybody but two parties, right? And it bugs me. I mean, as a, as a free software advocate, as a person who likes sharing code, it bugs me that there are changes made by companies such as, oh, say, IBM, that only go to their customers and have never been given to anybody else, and the customers never distributed them to anybody else. And we know that there are things in IBM's copy of Linux that are nowhere else but between them and their customers. But if the customers are choosing not to distribute it, uh, as long as it's not a GPLv2 Section 7 problem, which hopefully it isn't, um, there's no obligation. IBM doesn't have an obligation to give it upstream, and their customer doesn't have an obligation to give it to Linus. So um, the thing he wants, his license doesn't even do. Yep. That's an interesting point. Yep. Um, but I don't think it's actually what he wants. No, I, think I don't think that's fan. what he actually wants. I think, I think he's a fan of copyleft generally. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and this criticism of the policy disagreement about lockdown. Um, which I refuse to call TiVoization because um, up till series, at the time of GPLv3's writing, T- TiVo was not TiVoized. And I'm apparently the only one who knows this in the world and no one else believes me. But there was never cryptographic lockdown on TiVo devices. I, I, there may be in series three TiVos, which are the common ones these days. Um, and maybe they're at series four now, who knows. Um, but the the series one had absolutely nothing. The series two... All it did was it, the service stops working if you change your kernel. Mm-hmm. It's not like you can't change your kernel. You can change your kernel. It runs. It works. 
this, even the user space software works, the service just stops responding, which effectively makes the device not that useful, but it's not like it's crypto lockdown. It's not like you can't replace the kernel. You can replace the kernel anyway. Um, and, and so I, I hate using the phrase tubeization for various reasons, including that one. But the, the idea of cryptographic I know, but lockdown, I think it was used as shorthand during the drafting process. Too, which is a huge so mistake, and nobody listened to me mistake then either. And, but it was... But nobody listened to me during GPLv3, which is sort of the point I want to get to as well, which is that, uh, which, which is that the, the policy disagreement about that, I think, was a legitimate and reasonable policy disagreement. I, I basically am sort of with Linus when he says it's a different license because it is a different license. And if you don't agree with the policy goals of the FSF, you're going to look at the text in GPLv2 that says FSF will publish future versions of this license that will be in the similar spirit, right? I can understand why Linus feels GPLv3 isn't in the same spirit because what he got from GPLv2 as a document was something very different than what FSF intended. Mm -hmm. And therefore, when he reads V3, he says this is not the same license. This is not an upgrade license. This is a different license. And I, and I, I can see it from his point of view because he has different policy goals in the FSF. So of course he's not going to see V3 as an upgrade of V2. Of course. I mean, it's sort of almost first principles true. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I didn't agree with what he said about the additional permissions, though. I think he also misunderstands how additional permissions work. Well, actually, he's got a point. The funny part, I, I'm defending Linus a lot more than you might expect, but the funny point is, is he's somewhat right about the additional permissions issue. I think he's worried about ghosts, um, but he, he, there's, a, there's a kernel, uh, to use a phrase, <laughs> of, of truth in what he's saying, which is that if you give additional permissions under GPLv3, Downstream can throw those additional permissions away. Now, I don't agree with him that that was hidden or, or. But that is in many, well. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. And, and, and so if, if you agree that the people on the other side are working against you, which Linus believes the FSF's working against the Linux project, mostly that comes, I think, from Ted Cho, who believes it most, because Ted's made this point about the exceptions thing the most. And Ted Cho has told me, well, we're sure, he said, we Linux developers, um, speaking basically, I guess, for him and Linus and James Bottomley and a few others, that if we were to go under GPLv3 with a, with a, with a lockdown exception saying, oh, lockdown's okay, that the FSF, Ted Cho told me this directly, that the FSF would immediately fork Linux and start adding drivers under GPLv3 pure dropping the permission. But I guess what I was about to say is that if you, it, it, it doesn't really make a lot of sense because it's true, this is what I was going to say, that, that if you're, if you're, have, if you're distributing license with additional permissions, it's just like any other license where you grant more permissions and somebody downstream can, um, can make their changes under a slightly well, more restrictive. Actually, but not from, not from a GPLV, GPLV2 only copyleft theorist. So think of it this way. So think of the Linux developers, or at least the Linux developers who are very pro GPLv2 only, Ted Cho, James Bottomley, Linus Torvalds. They see it as we've got pure copy left. And they do. They have a copy left license, which doesn't allow additional things to go a different way, right? So the fact is you can't change GPLv2 only downstream oh, to restrict crypto lockdown. Right. 
And that's their view. And they, like we picked a copyleft license because it was the perfect license uh, from their point of view. Right. I, I see your point. I see right? your point. And so, and so, and so I kind of get their thinking, right? Because if, if, if in some alternative universe, the FSF did something I didn't agree with, which generally doesn't happen, but there was something in GPLv3 I really didn't agree with it, I'd sort of be with them, right? If I could be in their shoes, if I thought there was some moral right to crypto lockdown, which I don't believe, I can't, I to they think there's a moral right to crypto lockdown. Okay, then I get their point. And they make sense. I think I think where 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 yeah, I just still I still think it's so theoretical because once you're distributing the um, the license with a permission, it will always be available with that permission for the you know the code that you distribute and you know I, it it just seems. But the interesting point that he's digging at, the interesting license depth point that Linus is, he probably doesn't realize this because he's not a licensed theorist, is he's pointing out how GPLv3 plus exceptions is so much like a permissive license or a non-copyleft right. license, right? Right. Because it because it allows you. But to But he's bring not focused on that point, and he's. I think he's. Confused, I think he's. Actually, I think he's, I think he's circling around the kernel of that of that truth, and I think the reason he can't get to that is because of the acrimony that happened during GPLv3 when he mm. says he felt he was forced to upgrade. He's frankly talking about aggressive tactics used by FSF's lawyer, which RMS has asked me to apologize for to Linux developers. And, and I apologize to Linux developers all the time for this because FSF really did, as a policy matter, want to negotiate with the Linux kernel developers as equals, find a way to get an agreement where they could have a GPLv3 they could accept. Now, I think that agreement would never have happened anyway because I think that the lockdown issue was non-negotiable on FSF side and it was non-negotiable on Linux's side, so there was no zone of agreement. But the problem was instead of having a good faith, friendly negotiation between the two communities to get to that non-zone of agreement and saying we have to agree to disagree, there were, and I agree with Linus about this, I think sneaky tactics, aggressive tactics used um, by, by, I'll just say it was, but by Eben Moglen against the Linux community. And people at the FSF were upset about it. Uh, that that was happening, and I am, and I yeah, after yeah, I don't know anything. You don't know anything about yeah. it, and you don't have to comment because I know you will never want to comment on this. But um, I talked to RMS about it later, and he was R Richard Stallman was aghast when I told him what was said to the Linux developers on that. That there's this there's this famous conference call between uh, between Evan Muglin and the Linux kernel developers, um, and they were basically browbeat. Um, and they dug their heels in and didn't want to talk anymore. And when I described the, that call uh, to RMS, he was aghast. And he, that's when he said, if you talk to any Linux, very RMS request, he's like, if you talk to any Linux kernel developers, you tell them <laughs> that I apologize for that and that wasn't my intention and we wanted to negotiate with them. Of course, the, you know, the, 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 the lockdown, those clauses were, were, were necessary, but, uh, but I, I, didn't want that. I didn't want them to be, to felt, felt attacked at all. I wanted them to talk with me about their concerns and, and try and address them if we could. Um, but of course, we never probably could have. So the thing is, is that so the some people would say, well, then the outcome was the same anyway. My view is, is that there's this acrimony between the Linux community and the FSF um, that was when I back when I was executive director of FSF. Right, in the I early think if 2000, like the FSF would have made a because it sounds like if the FSF had made a commitment that they had no intention of doing what Ted Cho has described as you re re relate it just mm -hmm. earlier, then maybe there could have been some Maybe, maybe. I mean, I, I certainly that offer has been made to Ted. I've made that offer to Ted on behalf or, of the board since then, right? But the problem is, it's it's all too bad now. It's all too painful, and then they're like, oh. No, or there could have been some leeway potentially in how the additional permissions had worked. 
Oh, that's true. That's yeah. a really good thought. I mean, Karen's good at this negotiation. <laughs> she can she can find a way to get to yes, as the book title is. Um, but the thing is, is that was never done because the negotiation was handled poorly. And and I mm -hmm. think that um, I you know, and I'm aghast at that. I mean, I you know, I'm I'm admittedly I'm very bitter that I wasn't involved in GPLv3. I don't know if I could necessarily have done it better. Um, I would like to think that I would have, um, but hindsight certainly is, hindsight is everything. But right? certainly, the FSF was not fully apprised at how the Linux developers were treated because when I apprised the FSF of what had happened, um, they were aghast. And in fact, Brett Smith, who was on that call, was aghast immediately thereafter. Um, you know, talking to me like, "What the hell is going on?" And I was like, "Well, you know, I, I'm not really involved in this, so I, I don't know." But um, but yeah, it's I I think that. I think that Linus has given that, you know, and and uh, and the fact that that was such an acrimonious uh, moment. Um, I, I get why he's saying that he felt the FSF was sneaky. I don't think they were. I think people acting on the behalf of the FSF took too much leeway and were were acting sneakily and and should should in my view be, um, you know, be criticized for that and, and be, you know, there should be repercussions, which sadly there never were. Um, but uh, but the fact that Linus has gotten to the point where he says things like and he literally he said this in the video that if you all watched it he says that the GPLv3 is a fine license and he says it's your choice. So he sort of has that old Tim O'Reilly freedom zero view of if people want to pick the GPLv3, it should be there. And it should be the license that you pick, and you should pick it for your code if you like it. He, he said literally it's said a that. Fine license. Yeah, exactly. Actually, uh, I know we're going to have the tech press uh, episode as its own thing, but I know I'm going to forget by then. So uh, my, I recently have been quoted out of context, um, as we often are mm -hmm. with in the tech tech press, and I was laughing as I was listening to this uh, Q and A with Linus because I noticed that if we really wanted to, we could quote him as saying, "quote." GPLv3 is a fine license, dot, 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 I was stupid, close quote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would just like to see the article that quotes that instead of instead of what it, what, what the tech press said about this, and this will lead us into our next episode of, of talking about the tech press. Okay, uh, but I think yeah. that pretty much covers what we wanted to talk about yeah. anyway. Okay, there you go. Freeze and Freedom is produced by Dan Lynch of Podfactory and can be found at podfactory.org. Thanks to Mike Tarantino for our theme music. This episode of Freeze and Freedom is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 United States license. You can follow Freeze and Freedom, Bradley, and Karen on Identica, and also read Bradley's and Karen's blogs. Links can be found on the Freeze and Freedom website, faith.us. That's faif.us. So, are you ready to talk about this? I was going to say, can we start over again? Because, can we just leave this? Why? I just got totally off, off kilter because I realized at the moment you wanted me to speak and then I didn't know what to say. Um, okay. Wait, you're recording me now. <sighs> but you, uh, you keep not being ready. <laughs> <laughs>